Oh, oh, one more thing. Yes, just one more thing, a podcast about Colombo. I'm R.J. White. I'm John Morris, and on this episode, we'll be discussing sex and the married detective. Originally broadcast April 3rd, 1989, directed by James Frawley, written by Jerry Ludwig, and starring Lindsay Cruz, Stephen Macht, Pandora Spox, and of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And each time we're joined by a special guest, this show, it's writer, actor, experimental filmmaker... Hollywood Steve Huey. But before we bring him on, John, what happened and why? <laughs> well, RJ, a canceled flight allows talk radio sexpert Dr. Joan Allenby to discover her hunky partner's scandalous infidelity. Suddenly sex negative, Joan adopts the persona of slinky courtesan Lisa, a kind of homicidal equivalent of Samantha Stevens' saucy cousin Serena on Bewitched. As Lisa, Joan murders her unfaithful himbo, but soon finds that her bewigged, pool-sharking alter ego is taking on a life of her own. It's another faux-noir 90s extravaganza complete with smoky jazz and even smokier nightclubs, but surely we can all agree that the episode truly begins and ends solely with a synchronized dancing waters and tuba solo, and I will fight any man who says otherwise. All right, thank you, John, and Steve, Hollywood Steve, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's that, real hot here in L.A. in it, Hollywood. It's pretty pretty hot here in Philadelphia. John, how how is it there on this Saturday afternoon recording of the show up in uh, Seattle? There, Seattle area. It is a. Uh, it's rainy. It's rainy no. and, and covered with clouds, and it's nice and cool and oh. everything. Well, I'm jealous. And you don't have a drought, is what you're saying. You are oh, yeah, now in true. the middle of a drought. Yeah. No, sir. Okay. Far from it. Yeah, Philadelphia, I don't think we have a drought, but uh, we've got, um, well, it's Philadelphia. Um, that's our cross to bear. So, Steve, um, you uh, were or were not uh, familiar with the, the, the show Columbo uh, when I asked you to, uh, to take this on, this endeavor. I'm vaguely familiar with the general idea of Columbo. I've seen a little bit of it here and there because my dad really liked it. Oh, okay. But I've never sat down and watched. In, like intentionally watched Columbo in order to appreciate its aesthetic elements. Oh dear! So this was the first. Oh no! This is the first episode of Columbo you watched all the way through in your life. Probably yes. It's oh. the first one where I've heavily concentrated and focused on what was happening in an episode of Columbo. And and we gave you this one. Yes, you certainly did. Oh, Steve, I'm I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> Because I think I am not telling tales out of school, and you can back me up on this, John. It's not representative of the quality of your better episodes of Columbo, I don't think, right? It's it's below the median. Yes, that's, that's a very nice, polite, uh, intellectual way to put it. Yes, it's below the median uh, for most Columbo episodes. But, I mean, there, there are certainly uh, plenty to talk about. Where, where should we? Should we start... With that tuba thing, should we I start with the saying that I was stunned. Stunned by what? I was, I was stunned when you guys just said the original air date of 1989. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Because I would have placed it about 10 years earlier. Like, oh, they're clearly dealing with the fallout of the sexual revolution here. <laughs> Wait, this is 1989? <laughs> yes. 
even even the book cover screamed late seventies to me. The courtesan complex book cover that they mocked up for this episode. It may have been, who knows, maybe it was a script idea treatment left over from the original run. Because I think this was the third episode back after the 70s. Because I I think it went guillotine. uh, They started up again. Gosh, when when do you have? Hold on, let me see. Yeah, season eight. So this is the third episode uh, that the show was back. So they, they went right for the sexy stuff. The third episode, man. They didn't care. Columbo. Are you sure they nice. went for sexy stuff? No, not not really. Um, <laughs> so as sexy yeah, as uh, network nice. standards and practices would allow. Right, yes. I was surprised at the... Well, first of all, Columbo episode that has a dedicated sex room. In which... Is that normal? Yeah. I've... I've you don't know anything about Columbo's private life. He might already have a dedicated sex room. Well, I know, but we've never seen it on the show up to this point. Unless you count he Eddie Albert's... love his wife. Yes, he does love his wife. So I don't... I'm, I uh, Clinics such as this, do they have, like, just such elaborately decorated bedroom setups, usually? I don't know how... No, I don't know if that's it a thing. It looked like a Spanish bordello. Yes! Because, I mean... I didn't, it did elaborate to me. It just looked ghastly. Well, but that's, that's a weird thing, though. Like, it seems like if you have some sort of uh, practice like that, uh, where you're counseling uh, couples... Uh, and their sexual issues. The the room we're asking them to. Well, you're in a professional uh, office park building. Uh, go have sex in this room. Maybe you want it to be a little bit more generic or homey than that. Than such a very very specific yeah. type of sexual fantasy. It's like, what if they're not into that? Like, what if I like I like robots? Well, I'll tell you the. <laughs> I can tell you the part of it that really disturbed me. Is that one uh, part? This is it's key to the plot. Yeah, that that uh, there are slatted doors that close in the room that you anybody think, can see through. Yeah, you think they wouldn't have that? Yeah, you think I if you're going there so and you're the, a patient, and you, you can quietly troubled. stand by the slatted doors. Yes, and you you think that's a that's in the back of your head the entire time you're going through your treatment at uh, three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. Wait, did that did that door just move? I. I could swear I saw somebody's know, fingers. If that's, your, if that's your kink, more power to you. But that's not everybody's. So it seems a little... Yeah, not good design. Right. It seems like it'd be more, more of a secure, a secure facility than that. Yeah, it kind of takes away from the scientific, therapeutic aspect of the whole practice they have going in this building. <laughs> yes, exactly. And all the, all the other Plus, doctors in there are like these nerdy dudes... I'm so- don't seem like they're getting a whole lot on their own. Right, yes. Definitely seem like weird, nerdy, academic clinicians. Which, I mean, maybe they're trying to go for some sort of gag there. There's nothing there. wrong with know. being a nerdy, academic clinician. No, no. It's just that that's all there are besides the, the, the sexy woman doctor, apparently, yeah. in this practice. Right. And, and uh, to be honest, I didn't find her all that sexy. But okay, maybe that's just me. I don't... I don't go for Lindsay Krauss types. Krauss, Krauss. In late eight, in the late eighties, in the post, in the <laughs> post, like Felicia Rashad era of giant uh, shoulder pads. Oh and my gosh! Hair, yeah, she was erotic. Okay, well then, the, then we're good. Then. Uh, here's the thing that bothers me about the dedicated sex room, is that all of Columbo takes place in Los Angeles, which I know by reputation and thanks to like Atlas Obscura that there's like a dozen 
Fanta Suites within driving distance. <laughs> and you could have gotten a caveman room or the King Arthur room or anything you needed. You didn't need to have a Spanish bordello behind a slatted door. Yeah, that's... I don't... The slatted door... Why? I, th- well, no, I know why. The only reason slatted door is there is so there's a visual way for her to discover that uh, her, her producer and agent or whatever is cheating on her with the secretary. That's the only right. reason that that door exists. It's a plot door, pretty much. Right. right. Just there to keep the... Like, oh, God, and to hear the terrible, terrible insult. It's like... This, is, right. this yeah, will lead to my first question. Pudding. Yeah, it's the rice pudding. What? I was... <laughs> I was going to ask, and I, this is a terrible note, just because this is a hard episode to find, some of our listeners may not have seen it. Oh, let's, let's, let's set it up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, ba- basically, do you want to do it or shall I? Uh, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, our young doctor, uh, our doctor lady friend, happens to hear her lover and, and his uh, mistress comparing, uh, each, uh, comparing the Two, the two women in this triangle to different desserts. Yes, like what? Well, no, and then I like what his his end all be all best dessert. This uh, this hot little number here is a what would I be Bavarian chocolate cream pie? <laughs> oh, okay. I guess that's a pretty good dessert because of your Aryan roots. Oh, yeah. What? Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, these are these are all white people. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then uh, he refers, of course, to the doctor as it's like. What about Doctor Joan? Yeah. Rice pudding. Rice pudding. So, gentlemen, I have to ask, what uh, uh, what desserts are you? Oh boy, what what dessert would I be? Steve, you want to go first? Because I got to think about this one for uh, a minute. I'd be chocolate raspberry swirl ice cream. Okay. Oh, that's, that's a good, good one. Um, complex, and yet all the flavors meld together in a beautiful symphony. Yeah, I like a, also like tough at first, you know, frozen, but yielding as it warms up. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, that's a perfect metaphor for my uh, dating persona. <laughs> Hollywood Steve Huey is available for dating inquiries yes. in Los Angeles, California. Email us, we'll forward yeah, any call emails. Me, call me, babes, call me, you hot babes. We'll, we'll forward any emails along to him if you just email Columbo at thecitydesk.net. <laughs> we'll make sure he gets the correspondence. Same with any thing. I, I, you know what? I'm kind of stumped on this. I'm trying to think of uh, actual desserts. Uh, I guess... Uh, uh, I don't know. I really, honestly, cannot think of one. I don't know what the heck's wrong with me, J- John. Uh-huh. What would, yeah, buy me some time, John. What, what would you think? Your what's yours? What would yours be? Uh, I'm a melted fudge sickle in a in a dirty glass. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. <laughs> that's uh, an appealing visual, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, I say a bag of Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheap, good. and you can find me on the racket Rite Aid. Right there, you, you can, go. You can be snuck into movie theaters. Yes, there you go. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And he, he only, he only really want me once, uh, once a year or so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the the idea is better than the execution. Exactly. It's like, oh man, ooh, I've been wanting these, and then you have a couple, you're like, nah, they're okay. <laughs> and then you forget much. about it till later on, when you're set. Uh, and they make your tongue numb. All right, so. Wow. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Holy moly, ladies. Yeah, what, what that guy, I don't know what, what happened there. <laughs> um, well, that's Lord. one of the many very uncomfortable moments in an episode just laden with oh, There's a lot of uncomfortable moments in this thing. The entire Lisa transformation. Yes. Is yes. terrifying. It's, uh, we talked before on, on a previous 90s episode about 
the the weird fascination that the '90s had with with noir culture and with '40s culture and how just inaccurately they managed to capture it. And this and they kind of yeah yeah. And Lisa is trying to be some kind of film noir femme fatale, right? But she just looks like somebody's mom. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Like, well, what partly because the actress playing her also looks like somebody's mom. Yes. That is and also... It's, 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 it's mom kind of no, like, you would not see a woman of that age uh, in, in a, a highly sexed-up lead role in a television show these days, I don't think. No, probably not. Which, perhaps that says something about the state of our industry. This industry called show. Biz. Yes. Uh, industry. Um, but yeah, it's her, her, her trans, it's supposed to be this very dramatic thing. And it's like, Oh, well, you just kind of look like, uh, you with a wig and a very low cut dress. Yeah. You're wearing much. a very shitty wig and a fedora and a hat. Yes. She's obsessed with the fedora being like this huge, like she's some sort of gamer gate person. She's just obsessed thinking the <laughs> fedora gives her these amazing powers and completely what changes her. Men's rights? Ah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. This is about ethics and sex therapy. Not all sex therapists. <laughs> Although I, I guess at this point, so you know, she dresses up as Lisa. She adopts the persona of which she can insists on calling a courtesan. Yeah, which, what she means as a prostitute, right? And in fact, uh, she. Um, well, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Steve. The courtes the courtesan was always historically this was like a highly educated prostitute meant to cater to. Uh, refined, educated, upper-class gentlemen. Sure, but they didn't hang out in bars, did they? At bars named Buckets. <laughs> Do you know what you'll find really the most nice elegant inside for a bar that was named Buckets? Yeah, that the, the the interior did not fit the name of the bar. Not remotely. No, and the thing is, it's a bar that's uh, often frequented by prostitutes. So apparently, it's well known yeah. because um, the bartender asks somebody at the SS, this woman at the bar, like, "Oh, is this?" You know her? Cause it's, so it's obvious that this woman at the bar is a working girl. And asking if she knows who the yeah. other one is, yeah. Do you think the bartender was the pimp? No, no, it wasn't the pimp. He just knows who's working what. And I don't know. He was pretty forward in making sure she was okay and got his tip, you know? Uh, I think, well, no, I think he just, it's kind of um, sort of making sure that, that, that like there wasn't somebody coming into the place that was going to cause trouble who wasn't one of the regular uh, uh, contractors. Okay, I'll defer to your superior knowledge of prostitutes. Thank you. Those bartenders and For bars once. named buckets, buckets, it's, buckets. The thing is, and okay, and so again, uh, if I was going to go to a bar named Buckets, I would expect to be served a bucket of beer and maybe a bucket of hot wings. Yes, I, I would expect, expect it to it's look. It's not going to be a classy joint where femme fatales hang out, yeah. right? Trying to pick up dudes. And it's it's near it apparently because she goes there after uh, changing her clothes. Uh, putting on her Lisa mask at the uh, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion lobby women's mm -hmm. restroom. So it's got to be someplace kind of close by. So I'm not yeah. Steve. I have to defer to you, uh, being a Los Angelino. Um, a lot of bars called Buckets around the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, the uh, the uh, the complex there, the theater complex. There a, car, a bar named Buckets next to the uh, Frank Gehry uh, Opera House. There a lot of that going on. I don't believe that there is. No. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. I don't know why, but that the Buckets thing just sticks in my craw. It's just a I'll dumb you, name. The more I think about Buckets, the more I realize that's a place I would expect there to be skee-ball. Yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, uh, the place I would expect to be called Buckets is the place that you see later on where she's shooting pool, trying out her right. little Lisa costume some more. The Frolic Room. Right. Which, 
No, that is not the frolic room. This stuck in oh. my craw as a native in, well, not native, as an angel. Close enough, you've been there for a while. You've been, years. yes. When you see the exterior shot of the frolic room, like I saw it, oh, the frolic room, I've been there. It's a little dive bar on Hollywood Boulevard. It's about as wide as my living room in my apartment. You can fit, like, if you're walking through the frolic room, like, from front to back, the width of the passageway is about one and a half people wide between the bar and wow. where people are sitting on the wall. And, it, and instead... When it, they cut to her inside playing pool in this wide-open, spacious bar, immediately, that's not the frolic room. That which, is not the frolic room. And it, yeah, it just seemed like one of those generic uh, TV show or movie dive bars, which could be in Texas right. or something like that, pretty much. Could have been on the hollow deck yeah. of Star Trek Voyager. Yes, yeah, they would have, yeah, would have been used in a Star <laughs> Trek episode for one of their fantasies after they had finished uh, doing their one in the uh, Spanish bordello with the slat window doors. That was a bad episode of Star <laughs> Trek. Oof. That's a terrifying episode. Worf, <laughs> was who would be doing it? Oh, yeah. and you try to think, like, who, which one would be doing it in there? It's like, Riker, oh, God. Riker, Riker by himself. get the room. Riker's in there by, by himself. himself. You're sitting there alone. I was thinking Worf would watch through the slats. Oh, God. would be in the room. Oh, no. Stop. Oh, please stop. I don't feel well. This is our best episode ever. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's her weird Lisa thing. And then later on, when uh, it starts to take her over. Right. And she kind of goes a little nuts about it. Like that scene where I think they tried to make it like a weird dramatic thing. And frightening when she's talking to herself in the split mirror. When she golems, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it wasn't really that frightening. It was just kind of weird and goofy. I'm like, what? It was, it's hard to tell yeah. what, why she retreated to the Lisa persona. Yeah. Because you would think, of, like, is it guilt over the murder? And no, it really wasn't. No, was not it? at all. She was not guilty about yeah. the murder at all. And then was it that Lisa was liberating her, her hidden sexual self? And no, kind of not really. She just liked to play pool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, doesn't she say something when she's doing that weird mirror thing about how I will take care of Lieutenant Columbo? Right. Well, yeah, but not really, because it's not like you're going to wear that Lisa outfit to deal with Columbo, because then that would immediately implicate you yeah. as the killer. So that doesn't make any sense, crazy lady. And then the way she took well, care of Columbo was... What was the plan there? Was she trying to get... Was she trying to put Lisa out in public to take the heat off of herself? I think yeah. so, but that's a big risk to take. Just... Well, no, she had the perfect out. Okay, so Columbo comes over to her house in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. Uh, just she's right. about to burn the evidence, burn the clothes, which that's clearly the smart thing to do. Uh, this raging fire, which she has going twenty four seven, apparently, in the middle of her living room. And then, she, yeah, she just I doesn't. Maybe it's a metaphor for her libido. Oh, um... yes, that is some very generous credit you're giving, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I admire, I I admire you for right now. It just popped into my head. You're a generous man that you thought Jerry Ludwig would have been tr- doing that. That's very nice of you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just I can't see any reason why she didn't burn the evidence she had, except for just this better for the plot. I guess like the slatted doors. I don't know. The the plot Ugh. which he wanted to do with Lisa to to take care of Columbo was she literally had Lisa have a bartender send Columbo the message that Lisa was leaving town. Which, that's a, that's that stupid noir thing. That's like that yeah. stupid, clumsy noir thing. Oh, speaking it, of... It, wait, oh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it, just, it makes no sense. It's a really bad... Making Lisa just disappear 
is a lot better than having Lisa leave a message for like how'd she even get Columbo's number? It's like a stupid super villain. You know, wanting to, yeah. like, to say what the plan is. It's really silly. And, and, and the clumsy Norse... Well, that, that oh. goes back to her book, The Courtesan Complex. Right? The, she makes a big deal about how this is like the most popular fantasy for women. And she focuses only on that. And maybe that's why there's a Spanish bordello in her sex therapy practice. <laughs> so so she's got... She thinks this is the only fantasy that women have. is and, to be a high-class prostitute. And and yet it's a best-selling book apparently, and she's got an entire clinic built upon it. But yes, I've and yet somehow she's never experienced this herself. Yes, right? at no point yeah. in her research, or you know, her, her her she wrote an entire book about this, and apparently she's never actually been tempted to try this herself. Because when she does, this elaborate she, revenge scheme popped up. Yeah, but apparently she once she did, she took to it like gangbusters. Hey, this wasn't so bad after all. I was right. You know? I can't believe I never tried this before. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, I think the implication is that she it's has like never really tried anything. Right. Like she's her whole book is about exploring sexual fantasies, and apparently her number one sexual fantasy was to have sex in the office in a nice room set aside for it. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, it sounds silly, John. No wonder <laughs> she's rice pudding. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I, want, I want to point out something about like the stupid, clumsy uh, noir references. Um, the one guy in her clinic who has this really just schoolboy crush on her, one of the fellow doctors, his name is uh, Walter Neff. Right. Which, yeah, that's uh, um, um, Fred McBurry's character in Double Indemnity. And I, I went through like the, the list of characters, see if there was other ones. Like, that's the only one. Why have one character? It seems like if you're doing that, you're going to want to pepper them in if you're trying to do this noir thing. But no, they named uh, one guy after, like, a major character from that stuff. So even that was like, why? well, why did you make that choice? I keep feeling like I want to say that... the characters that... resemble each other at all? Nope. Not oh. the least. Because this guy is just like the kind of guy who posts on internet forums about how women don't like nice guys. Yes, exactly. Yes. That's exactly... Every, I... Every about negging. Oh, no, no, actually, friend zone, friend zoning. That's friend what it is, zone. yes. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Every, uh, every one of the other, I guess there's two other male doctors, and, uh, you know, they're both, they're both character actors, but I also felt like either of them could have been the camp director in sequels to Meatballs. <laughs> and either of them could have been the follow-up to Morty. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, the one guy, Peter Jurassic, like I was like, oh, I've ever seen it. He, um, uh, been in tons of stuff, but I, for some reason, the first thing I remembered, uh, was, uh, Beverly Hills Bunts. It was this weird, um, spinoff of Hill Street Blues where David Franz, Den no, Dennis Franz's character, uh, moves out to Los Angeles from Philadelphia to open up a private detective practice, and it was a half hour sitcom. Holy shit, yeah. And, uh, Peter Jurassic's character had been, like, kind of a snitch of his. Uh, back in Hill Street Blues, and he made the trip across country, too. <laughs> oh, he was uh, a snitch. Yes. Yeah, unless he was kind of a snitch. He had his giant uh, like, file cabinets full of all these sex people. Which sounds and like he, they were actually in the file cabinets. Files <laughs> on the sex people. I'm sorry. I better clarify. Und 
Under S for sex or under P for people, comma, sex. Yes. And there's just like a, uh, two naked people and they're doing it when you open up the drawer. <laughs> uh, that was their fantasy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that one the lady kept trying to push the, the, the Spanish sex room on. It's like, no, that's not what we like. So we, we just like climbed doing, in here. We like being very small and doing it in a file cabinet. Exactly. There is someone uh, out there, I'm sure, who... Part, part of the noir thing, for some reason, the bartender school. That was strange. That was an incredibly strange sequence, and they were really playing it like it was an old-timey 1940s kind of yeah. thing, which I don't... Like, the choreography and even the, the way the camera worked, that little curve, yeah, all felt very 1940s to no end. Yep. It didn't inform the, the episode. It didn't inform the scene. To, to just having Columbo at the end say he really liked that Shirley Temple. Yeah, and you would have made a very good detective, which yeah. is not true. No, no. Bartender would have made no. a terrible detective. detective. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we haven't talked uh, much about uh, Columbo himself yet and the character in this episode. Um, I uh, I don't know. It's this, it's this thing, like a lot of these 90s ones that I've seen, where it just pretty much... Well, we'll just make sure we hit all the high notes you remember from the 19... 19- 70s ones. Hey, here's old Uncle Columbo again. Remember you liked him? Look here, he's doing this thing. Oh, he said this thing. I don't know. It just didn't feel too much like Columbo. Well, this one has... I was, I was expecting, no, just, just knowing the general premise of the, of the series, I was expecting a lot more like, oh, they don't take Columbo seriously. Oh, they get real annoyed by Columbo after he pesters them. Yeah. And there was nothing like that. It no. was just scene after scene after scene of Columbo going back to his prime suspect and explaining the murder case to her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's was exactly... A, it was a yeah. shit ton of exposition. Oh, yeah. Oh, there my was, goodness. You're right. That's a, that's a tradition in Columbo episodes, but rarely is it this the much. focus of the episode. That Which it is in this. Yeah, it, was, it, yeah, it all came at the... Like, there was just no dynamic between those two characters. Like, once in a while, she, you know, she'd try and get under his skin about his sex life and embarrass him. But there was very, very little of that, and it was mostly just, you know, I, 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 I have this question. He never even said just one more thing. He never like took her by surprise. Oh no! Actually, I want to jump in because, uh, so I watched this episode. We we denigrate the '90s episodes on this show all the time, and for the most part, it's a deserved denigration. But I, I decided to watch this really intentionally, looking for one thing that I thought they did well, and I, I think they did one thing exceptionally well um in Columbo there's always the scene where Columbo gets his hunch that he's found the murder it's always very early on and then following that there's always a scene where Columbo kind of sneakily implies to the murderer that he knows the murderer did it and that's to to make the murderer start getting sloppy so in this episode uh, it happens right at the end of the scene where she's asking Columbo all these questions about his sex life, and he's getting very nervous, and he's blushing, and he's laughing, and he's acting like a like a schoolboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets up and he starts to leave. He goes, "Well, I better go." And she says, "Don't let me drive you away." And he turns around and he says, "Oh, you'll see me again." Oh, he says, like, oh, I'll be back. You could yeah, count be, on that. I mean, you can, right. And he goes, like, there's a lot of work on this case. And he kind of explains it. But he's basically saying, oh, no, I'm, I'm coming back to arrest you later. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, but that's, I'm leaving now. But, yeah, that's the one thing. 
that, that's I thought that, that was one of the best of those I've ever seen in Columbo. I would rank that as like one of my ten favorite of those. Because, I mean, he did do a good job. Yeah, the thing, the bashfulness, which you know was probably really put on trying yeah. to get the um, underestimation going with her. And then, yeah, that kind of jab, which could be taken one of two ways just to get right. her a little nervous and sweating. But then, all that being said, this is also one of the worst uh, uses of the my wife is a big fan of yours. Yeah, it's in strange. Columbo history because it turns into my wife was really excited to read your sex book and really wanted to know about my sex fantasies, <laughs> which is the worst thing Columbo has ever informed us about his possibly fictional relationship <laughs> with his wife. Yes, <laughs> the sex fantasies. I don't want to know because he's seen a lot of. I I I don't know. I uh, uh, yeah. I already know what Mallory Ortberg, former former two time guest Mallory Ortberg, would say about that because she went on a, a little Twitter tirade once about which fictional characters have been pegged. Yes, and and, <laughs> <laughs> and Columbo, was... if I if I recall, Columbo has not been pegged. Okay, okay, but he he's <laughs> I think I'm trying to remember these. I'm gonna actually see if I can look it up. It's a very old Twitter comment. But the the line was something along the lines of that he he sleeps in unknowing connubial bliss. Okay. Uh, um, but Steve, you brought up an interesting point, which the relationship between uh, Doctor Allenby and Columbo, not much there. Yeah, there's no chemistry there. So that's why it strikes me as odd. At the end, uh, when he finally gets her, when he finally like um, does this whole thing with the uh, duplicate dress and gets her to confess and everything, where there's something that's in a lot of the old episodes comes up once in a while where he's actually kind of sympathetic to the killer and kind of nice to him at the end. And there's right. a bit of a thing and they do that here and it feels completely unearned to the point where I think he even says at the end, like, Oh, I've really enjoyed our talks we've had really. I didn't get that impression at all throughout the entire episode. No, because, because it, it was mostly just him explaining the case to her. Yeah. There wasn't, it, there was no, back and forth with them at all. I mean, yeah. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't even realize until you brought it up. Yeah, like, the, even the absence of the kind of fun annoyance uh, from the killer that you usually yeah, get in there. Yeah, there wasn't really much of a cat and mouse thing going on here. Right, exactly. Part of, it, part of it is that they couldn't decide what they wanted her character to be if she was going to be this sexually liberated, you know, therapist. But at the same time, they, they kind of wanted her to be this nerdy academic who's never done anything before and and to get that contrast between her uh her her therapist self and her alter ego her femme, her femme fatale alter ego yeah and that contrast just wasn't there for me no it was just it was only i don't picture a sex therapist as being real uptight about things Right, and they didn't play her as uptight about things, really, except when they felt they had no. to in a scene specifically just to service that point. Because otherwise, yeah, I mean, she was very... Yeah, I off with her on a radio program and oh, sex is healthy. All these yeah. weird fantasies we have are perfectly normal. Like, you don't expect... Like, it's just, it, the, the character is just not consistent. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, they they just couldn't decide which one they wanted. I think it would have been much more interesting if they had kept her... Uh, the very confident, sex-positive person the entire time and just figured out some way to work the alter ego into that, or even part of that, you know? But, but at yeah. the same time, they lose the motive for the murder if they do that. Right, true, yeah. Because if she's sexually... Then, then certainly she'll be familiar with the concept of polyamory. Yeah, yes. Which, you know, right. would have 
gone a long way towards preventing the murder. I don't know. And also probably would have kept him perfectly satisfied with her. Right, yeah. I mean, you could have come up with a lot of other reasons for her to murder him, too. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Or even make it so, oh, she was too crazy with the sexy stuff, so he wanted someone that was kind of less crazy and more boring or something. And maybe that could have been the reason he was cheating on her. I mean, maybe he didn't want to get pegged. I don't know. Yes, I, exactly. Exactly. He didn't want to get pegged in the Spanish sex bordello in the office building. That's a perfectly yeah. good entree for me to come back with more Mallory's... Vanilla. Oh, sorry. Mallory's exact quote. Yes, what was it? Uh, <laughs> her opinion is, Columbo has companionable, procreative sex with his wife four times a week Wow, and, nice. and does not know to want for more. Oh, that's that's very sweet. It's extremely sweet. He does seem a simple fellow. That's and why. Then, and then somebody below said, "But doesn't he always ask for one more thing?" Hey, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. good night, everybody. That's the show for this week. I'm <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that that's a huge, huge uh, flaw in the episode that just kind of throws it off and just makes it. I don't know. Yeah, it's just very distracting. It runs the entire thing that, yeah, you're right. Her character, they just seem to not know exactly what they wanted her to be. That seems to happen a in a lot, of the, a lot of the 90s Columbos. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I wonder if that's... I don't think the, the 90s Columbos had a head writer like the 70s did. Do you think that's the flaw? Or do you think it's just that Columbo at that point had been around so long that they were just filling roles by rote. I think they were just coasting on Columbo because the one the yeah. one that was on before cuz okay, yeah, this is the third one when they came back in the uh, late 80s early 90s. Mm-hmm. The first one we talked about uh Columbo goes to the guillotine. The second one I think was that Murder Smoke and Shadows one where Fisher Stevens is pretty much Steven Spielberg. Right. And that one, you watch that at the beginning and Columbo's introduction is just this crazy ridiculous nostalgia filled thing and it's the way he's playing the character in it to me is just kind of like they're just seem like a greatest hits album pretty much yeah just giving people what they want you wanted Columbo here's all the Columboisms you want and it seems like yeah they just really kind of lazily rested on that for a lot of these so I'm looking forward to watching every single one of them in the back half of this podcast we, we put a lot of them down There's having seen them all I'll say that Although the, it's not as high on average uh, as with the seventies episodes, there's there's a quite a few good ones. Maybe okay, good. Every, okay. every third one is pretty good. Like I've heard the George Went episode is exquisite. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait for that one. Um, I was thinking I was gonna. Oh oh oh. Um, so we we kind of uh, bounced around it at the, the beginning, but I think the time has come to definitely talk about what the hell was with that tuba scene. Who wants to it start? It doesn't look like Peter Falk is actually playing the tuba. Well, let's let's set it up for the Please. folks at home who may not have been able to see this yet. And after all this, we've been saying uh, maybe they will want to. Um, so basically, uh, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that happens in the lobby of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Not actually in the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, but just the lobby of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. And Columbo happens to go uh, to do some investigating and questioning of someone. <clears throat> Pardon me. At the same time uh, that some fellow associate of the orchestra uh, is giving a bit of a lecture to some school children, uh, playing a tuba, and Columbo comes up and he's talking to the kid, tells me he's a policeman, and for some reason the guy presses Columbo into trying to play the tuba alongside of him. And it turns out Columbo can play the tuba wonderfully. But, 
But maybe he can, or maybe just a really fat guy was walking by at the same time. <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> maybe that was the case. <laughs> maybe that's what caused the uh, fountains to go crazy too. Right. <laughs> just, just the weight. So yeah. yeah. So it's a long thing where he's playing. The two, but you think like, oh, okay, well, it's interesting. Yeah, Columbo's got another talent. And then they cut to the outside of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion where the fountains are. And this jaunty tuba music is going. And then the fountains start going up and down in sequence with the music inside. Why? And it goes on for such a long time. And there's extra orchestration. All these other yes. wind instruments pop up. And Why? It's the most, like, we're used to a lot of weird shit happening in Columbo to fill time. But you may as well have had an alien come down. Yes. You, you may as well have had, like, Columbo meet a talking pinball machine that grants wishes. Here's, here's Roy coming into the Simpsons kitchen out of nowhere. You know, right. it's, it's that kind of weird thing. It's, what, what, this, ah. Steve, I assure you, there usually is not stuff that weird in Columbo or, <laughs> or ridiculous and pointless. I mean- I might have understood it if it was a showcase to show that Peter Falk himself could play the tuba. But I don't think he... But yeah. I don't think he was. No, no, I don't think he was either. I don't... So why the tuba? It's the weirdest goddamn thing. I have no idea why they made that choice, and it goes on for a long time. See, and like, then they start march, and then they cut back inside, and they start marching the kids around. Oh, yeah, and yes. The, the, teacher, the teacher is carrying a sousaphone, which is made for marching... Mm-hmm. Columbo is just carrying this tuba around. It's very difficult to play the tuba and walk at the same time. Right. That's why they make sousaphone for marching band. Yes, yes. And I, I'm guessing... And the like, kids are thrilled. These kids have been cheering for everything. The kids are cheering for the tuba. They cheer for the policeman. They cheer when the policeman starts playing the tuba. They're just excited about everything in front of them. And, and he, oh, sorry, go, they go have ahead. the most focused attention spans of any group of children <laughs> yes. presented with a goddamn tuba played by a policeman and, and that you it, could ever dream of. And it's a field trip to just go to the lobby of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. What those a field kids, trip, kids. Those kids must have come home so excited about their field trip to the lobby well, let's, of the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Let, let's think for a moment uh, about the, the the teacher guy. Uh, what... what what was the uh, possible outcome for him when he first found out, oh, you're a police officer. Here, why don't you play the tuba? There was an excellent chance he was going to be terrible at the tuba. So he would have made a bunch of children laugh at a person who guards our public safety. <laughs> Going to make a bunch of, humiliate a police officer, an officer of the law, in front of a bunch of children. And for what, to make a cheap point? That not everyone can play instruments? That it, people can't just walk in off the street and play instruments and only professionals should? For that? Uh, I say boo to you, sir. Boo to R- you, teacher. Man. R- yes. It's okay. This is okay. 1989. NWA's Fuck the Police was only a year old. That's <laughs> true. Quite you know what? popular consciousness yet. That's what he should have been playing. Yes. Or uh, maybe he had heard it and thought, like, I'm going to stick it to the man. These kids got to learn a lesson. Knock him off like, his high horse. I like to watch those weird scenes and try to imagine that they were planning a spin-off. <laughs> and that was going to be like maybe that was going to be Columbo's version of Cop Rock. <laughs> or uh Tuba Squad or something. Maybe yeah, one of those those kids, those kids they uh, go back to school and uh uh join the um join join the uh, the the street patrol, the the what, crossing guard patrol or whatever it is. He's like, "Well, you know, I I I like 
classical music, and I've learned that, you know, if you're within the same... I don't know. I had no point. I had a thing, and then it went away. <laughs> I'll edit this out. No, I won't. Yes. Uh, Cop Rock debuted the year after this, by the way, so maybe maybe it was a spinoff. And Stephen Bochco, creator yeah. of Cop Rock, wrote a lot of Columbo episode 70s. I'm seeing a connection here. I was oh, kind really. of hoping there would be some crossover in cast, but there is not. Oh, what a... What a darn shame. And not long after this, another weird, out-of-nowhere, unnecessarily zany thing. Uh, when Columbo goes to uh, the sex doctor clinic after hours, uh, trying to find the uh, the price tag that he had seen on uh, her coat uh, when he first arrived, and just, like, going through mm. this kind of dumpster thing, and then a crazy central casting Eastern European maid from the 1950s comes in, just yelling at him in some other language. And then it I think... It even... like there might have been a couple Russian words in there. Yeah, I think she was... Yeah. And I think they... Didn't they even have some kind of, like, uh, music, too? Like, Eastern European music? Because she's so happy! Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which, why? Wait, come on. You're better than that, Columbo. You're better than that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't. Oh. At least it wasn't the Hispanic stereotype. That's true. They did stay away from that. But still. It's, it could have just been a cleaning lady. He's had angry cleaning ladies mad at him before. Annoyed. That's been fine. Right. As opposed to having some kind of... Like, she's she probably went from there uh, back to her uh, tenement brownstone in uh, New York City with the, the wash hanging back and forth between the apartments. And some kid was playing and the piano. Playing she went up the stairs. Down in the street. Yeah, that's that's where she went after that. Or that district in Los Angeles. So you think it's Will Elder's mom? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yes, yes, it was. That was a Will Elder character, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a real it's a real throwaway. It's and it's so filling time, and the conclusion feels kind of rushed. I think oh yeah, very much. A minute or two to the to the conclusion and skipped the. Well, skip the tuba sequence, but they also probably could have skipped a lot of the the maid yelling at him. Right. Um, oh, I yeah, these things didn't need to be movie length. No. Well, this one definitely didn't. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it's okay. Right. But this one, it wasn't even really that long of an episode for a Columbo. It was pretty much standard length. But yeah, I felt like there was just a whole bunch of padding. Like, mm-hmm. there were so many moments I wrote down, like, why, why are they just using uh, stock footage from chips for five minutes? <laughs> with Doogie Hauser music and things like that. We're just, yeah, they just... Yeah, they probably could have afforded, actually, to spend a little more time on the actual relationship yes. between between Dr. Allenby and, and uh, Hunky McTwothumbs, whatever his name was. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, David because, Kincaid. Uh, David, because we don't care that he's cheating on her. And it's because... very obvious from the get-go that he is. As soon as I get in that office oh, yeah. and you see the interaction with the secretary... It's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know where this is going. And it's it's not like previous episodes, like Make Me a Perfect Murder, where there's a lot of stakes involved in the in the affair. Oh, yeah, it's very low stakes. She's still going to have her very successful book and radio show. Right, so else. it turns out, uh, you know, he she fires him. She's hot. She'll get somebody else to take <laughs> his place. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I'm sure she, she, she... Yeah, she's fine. There's no reason to murder. No reason to murder. They, they made her this, like, very insecure... Uh, person and she just murdered out of insecurity, which I think is yeah. really lame too. I mean, she's just yes, very very confident, uh, successful woman, and she ends up killing the guy because she feels slighted because 
I only think it was the, the the cheating so much as it was the rice pudding remark. It was. It was the rice pudding. Yeah, because that's the thing she says right before she shoots him. Because, yes, because she has probably dealt with and maybe even written extensively about people who've had relationships that fail because of infidelity and everything. She probably can get past that. But for some reason, they wrote her as fragile enough that the rice pudding remark, oh, she just couldn't stand that, and that's why she had to murder somebody. Well, that's even her kill line. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. She yeah. makes a reference to what kind of dessert would you be? And then I was kind of surprised that at no point when she's Lisa does she ever, like, say something that relates to that in some fashion, like devil's food cake or something. Right. And then goes out to be, you know, rich and dark or right. something. It, it just, she's like, forgets the specific insult and then spins it into this whole, I have to murder this man. Eh. It's not a, it's well, not a she well-rounded says At the term. end, when she's talking to Columbo, she says that uh, any woman in her, in her situation would have fantasized about murdering that guy to get even. And he says he understands. Lived out her fantasy. Yeah. And Columbo kind of says, like, oh, I understand why you did it, sort of. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh-uh, no. Yeah, I think they, they really did a disservice to her character. That was, like, one of the worst. And the thing is, I have to admit... I'm not the biggest fan of her acting in the first place and other things. Mm-hmm. And so combining that with the character they gave her, I was kind of like, Ugh. it was yeah. not fun to watch. There's also the thing where literally every other male character in her circle is in love with her. Well, I, the one guy's not. Peter Dr- the Jurassic's character isn't, I don't think. He's just always... I think he's kind of... he's No, he's more of the guy... Or he's annoyed that she's going the pop psychology route and getting away were, from the actual what clinic. Were their, what were their complaints? Because one of them was, what's the right time for me to tell her that I love her? That's That was uh, Walter Neff. That was the uh, kind okay. of Weasley guy. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, what was the, the nice other guy? guy. Asked, the other yeah. guy's problem is that I think he doesn't, he thinks her stuff's getting too frivolous. But he said something about, because all three of them asked Columbo variations on the same question, which was, when's the right time I should tell her this? And his, Cindy's, his was, Cindy's, yeah. No, his, I don't, the Peter Jurassic's character, I think his was something more of a professional nature. I don't think he was, he was into her. Okay. Yeah. But the other guy definitely was. Oish. Yeah. They, they like ever did Desmond. that part too. And then of course there's that really sleazy guy at the, the Dorothy uh, Chandler Pavilion. Oh, I forgot about him. Yes. Yeah. We, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, kind of stalking her. Honestly, I couldn't tell the difference between him and the nebbishy guy that was in love with her. Oh, I didn't realize those were different characters. I completely forgot that fellow. Yes, yeah, that uh, was creepy ba- and weird. Baby McLoomover, and yeah. who had that his horrible speech about when I see a beautiful woman, I have an obligation to introduce myself. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. That's, uh, it, that's like the that's like the uh, that's the Walter Nuss character after he's read a bunch of pickup artist literature. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> this episode this episode does a really bad job of condemning horrible male behavior. Well, yeah. You know, it's, and it's, it does it's a great job of condemning when when women let their fantasies out, people are going to die. Right? Yeah, pretty much. That's what they're saying. Oh, this You're is okay. Crazy. You're okay reading about them and talking about them up to a point. Uh, if you act on them, well, that's when death happens. Right. But if you don't act on them, you're going to lose your dude. So, what are you going to do, ladies? Good luck. That's that's actually a trend in fiction that bothers me because it, it's pop. Uh, where if if a woman is denied affection by a man, she becomes evil. 
And the place where I've most recently seen this and the place that was most disturbing was in the Green Lantern cartoon. Oh, really? That's weird. That was that was heavily marketed at both boys and girls and apparently has a huge following of young women where the, the show literally was about big men flying around space and fighting women that magic space rings had tricked out like space hookers. What, like the uh, Star Sapphire thing? The Star Sapphires, yeah. Well, that's been that's been part of that story since like the but 60s. There was though, also but... there was also I can't remember her name, a robot girl named Eva, I think. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, that might be Wally. But anyway, and she she has no emotions and then she's taught to love by one of the characters and then he turns his back on her. So she literally becomes a monster that tries to destroy the universe. Wow, okay. That's fun. So that's uh, not so, yeah. It's like a sci-fi version of oh my god, if I sleep with this virgin, she's going to want to marry me. Right. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of unhealthy you know <laughs> stuff that Doctor Joan Allenby should have been writing about was the unhealthy attitudes towards women's sexuality is exhibited uh, in this play uh, in the show as a as opposed to the uh, uh, entitled attitude uh, sexual attitudes of men that were completely coddled. Well, yeah. but then she went and killed someone. Maybe she wrote the then book in prison. Someone. Maybe she wrote it in prison. Who knows? <laughs> the prisoner uh, complex. Because this one actually, okay, that, thinking about it from that point of view, I think there actually is a pretty solid case. There actually is proof here. And she, I think she probably, yeah, she ends up confessing. So yeah. there would be a conviction in this case. I, I imagine so. Yeah. This this one is one of the well, most yeah, solid she, ones. She, she, because she gave all that... She gave Columbo all that information with no lawyer present. Of yeah. course it's going to be. <laughs> yes. At no point in the in the hour and a half movie does she ever say, am I under arrest? <laughs> yes. Can which, which, I have I mean, a lawyer present when I'm talking to you? Well, I mean, you usually not come to my house at midnight? With, I, look, get the hell out of my house. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing that comes up a lot in Columbo. But you actually do have people that he's, he's uh, badgering. They actually just say, Am I being charged with something? Like, they actually, this one, yeah, she didn't bother doing that. Because she thought, like, I'll just be pleasant to him. That'll, that'll take care of everything. Is there something in this episode that's worth watching? No. <laughs> I gotta say, <laughs> I gotta say no. I, I was thought for a second, well, but no. I can't think of anything. I really can't. I like a little, you know, there's a lot of Falk acting I like, but I'm trying to think of anything outside of Peter Falk, and I don't think there was much. No. No And even a lot of the Peter Falk stuff, I think, kind of falls flat. No outstanding performances. The the yeah. characterizations are all over the place or just crummy or lazy. It's just Steve, yeah. the show is better for this and better than this a lot of times. We should probably have you back on in the future uh, looking at a good seventies one. You know, yeah. I think <laughs> seriously, no, seriously, we should we ought to we ought to do that. But um, so I usually do a thing where I go around and ask everybody like, so overall, what do you think of this? Like, I think we all know. Yeah, it's it's not beat around the bush. I don't think we have to say it, though. John, uh, do you have? Would you have a rating for this one of some I'd, kind? Uh, not just yet, but uh, there was one last thing that had my hopes up for this. this oh, sure, 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 sure. Yes, uh, which is that the murder plot seems to involve at least two Kate Bush songs. What I noticed uh, that this uh, the the <clears throat> pretending to be someone else in order to attract your man is very similar to Babushka. Oh, I thought it was like they actually used the music. Oh, no, they didn't use any sound. Oh, okay. No, they just used smoky saxophone. Yes. Oh, God. Lots of that. The faux 40s thing, the smoky jazz. The, 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 from the 90s. Yeah, the crappy needle drop jazz stuff. And, and what's the other one that, uh, would be? Well, I was, I was going to try to say the wedding list, but I don't think it really, 
works for the wedding list. But I was really, I, I, when it started with the Babushka thing, I was like really hungrily like, can I make this an all Kate Bush episode? And no, you can't. Why would you want to? Why? I mean, why would you? Because I was bored out of my mind. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. I guess that's why. It seems like that's uh, perhaps doing a disservice to uh, Miss Bush doing that. Fair, 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 fair. She would probably deserve a better episode. As I said, like Steve Huey, probably deserved a better episode. But it was actually kind of uh, fun to talk about how this was crummy. It was just lazy crummy. It was, it was yeah. just like lazy crummy, kind of. All right, I think I have something. Okay, what? I'm going to give this one out of ten really heavily over-garnished Shirley Temples. All right, fair enough. That's... So, folks, uh, if you want to see this one, it's on the DVD <laughs> set. Or you can find it somewhere else on the Internet. I'm sure it's laying around, but um, yeah. This it's on Amazon Prime if you've got oh, it $3 is. that you hate. Okay. I'm, really, I'm angry at this $3. This is where you're going. Take a look at the screen. That's where you're going, $3. You wronged me for the last time. Oh, dear. I'm spending you bad. Well, Steve, thank you uh, for being on this. You're welcome. Um, if, if you, <laughs> thank you for having me. Sure. And if, if uh, folks wanted to see uh, what you're doing, what you're working on these days, uh, where should they go online to check that out? Uh, once in a while, I'll get something into Channel 101, the screening. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very difficult to do these days because I'm shooting it uh, in my apartment by myself for the most part. Uh, but you can see all of my rejected art films uh, on my Vimeo page. Oh! Just look uh, look at uh, Hollywood Steve Huey, and okay. you'll see everything that Channel 101 has rejected for being visually uninteresting. Oh, right, great. <laughs> like this episode. Yes. Of Columbo. <laughs> uh, oh, boy, this thing. I, I feel kind of tired now. It's not just the heat. I feel tired. I feel tired from this episode. Um... Well, that's a show for this week. Uh, if you want to uh, listen to other episodes about much better episodes of Columbo, of uh, just one more thing, you can go to jomtpodcast.com. Uh, we're also on all those uh, podcast services, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, etc. You can find us on there. Just do a search. Go to the TV and film sections. Uh, you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, where we're posting updates about episodes and about other things that people ask questions about. You can go to jomtpodcast on Twitter. On Tumblr... We have other supplemental material. John posts uh, some fun screen grabs, plus expanded thoughts on the episodes. I can't wait to see what uh, is going to be up for this one. Uh, but that's jomtpodcast.tumblr.com. I think that is all of our internet stuff. That's the show. I'm RJ White. I'm John Morris. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Listen, just one more thing. There you are, Mr. Policeman. There's your tuba. Enjoy yourself. Like this, sir? Have fun.
done this before. 